This Christmas season, we'll come out to the coast, we'll get together, we'll have a few laughs, and we'll discuss, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Welcome back to a very merry series on our podcast. In this very jolly month, people tend to seek out comforting holiday movies to give them those jolly vibes. But we will watch these unconventional movies this month and ask the question, but is it a Christmas movie? I'm your host, Ish, and with me, my co-host, Nick. That is me. And to start off our our adventure on uh, Christmas movies, we decided to pick none other than Die Hard. I feel like we both have uh, personal connections to this movie. Uh, I, I know whenever I tend to talk to people about Die Hard as one of my favorite Christmas movies, they kind of give me a weird look. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I think it was like high school when I heard that like people were like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Mm. And I was in the camp of, no it's not. Oh really? And then I watched it around Christmas time and I was like, I get it. Yeah. I get it. That's interesting. I didn't know that you started off as a uh, anti-Christmas movie, Die Be- Hard. Because it's just like, it just takes place around Christmas. Oh. But like it, but like there's a little bit more than just it taking place around Christmas that kind of like fits for me. I think so. I think Die Hard's become one of those things that it's really interesting to talk about the like symbolism and connection between the characters and like what and also like what makes a movie a Christmas movie, um, other than like. Yeah, the background's technically Christmas time. So, I, I I agree with some people when they say, like, not any movie that takes place around Christmas is a Christmas movie. But for these movies that we'll be watching this month, I, I think, I think um, they fit, in my personal opinion. Uh, so, is would you say, like, high school is the first time you've seen Die Hard, or was that just oh, like... No, I, oh, no, I saw it probably... I must have, like, watched this movie a couple times before that because mm-hmm. it was no surprise to me. Like, just watching it, I was like, oh, I remember this, I remember that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a Christmas movie. Yeah. So, um, Die Hard is one of those movies that I think I remember seeing a lot on, like, TV and stuff. Not necessarily during Christmas time, but it was definitely one of those movies that my dad would watch a lot. Because <laughs> I feel like it's a, it's, like, a very like dad movie to watch yeah my dad had the um the die hard one two three mm. uh, box gotcha so yeah this movie was on a couple times because funny enough so like my dad would only take like a week off a year really for mm-hmm. work in uh right after christmas and he would just binge movies gotcha that's all he did during like christmas time mm-hmm. And on like a couple occasions, I do remember just watching every Die Hard movie mm. in a row. So, do you like the series as a whole, or do you just like prefer Die Hard as like a standalone? Um, Die Hard as a standalone is way better than as like a series. Yeah, but I really like two. Two's, Two's good. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, they just get like progressively like more <laughs> out there. Because like yeah. the, the reason why I like Die Hard is. Our, our Mr. Cowboy, John McClane, mm-hmm. is just, like, he is an action hero, and he is kind of, like, a bit, he's not just a normal guy, you know? But, yeah. like, 
they te- but they took him throughout every single movie and they made him more and more of like almost like superhero mm-hmm. fashion furious moment but the world around him didn't get crazy yeah so so it, it, it's interesting you say that because uh when Die Hard was being made, Bruce Willis wasn't considered an action guy. He was more of a like com- like comedic person. He was in like a lot of ro- romantic comedies. He was like I think it was on a show called Moonlighting, and stuff. And um, Die Hard was really his big break into this um, action like roles that he's continued to like portray. Because I think when Die Hard was originally getting made. It was like Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be the um, John McClane. That would have been such a different movie. Yeah, and even before that, like originally, when the story was made, I think, um, uh, yeah, Frank Sinatra was uh, going to be John McClane. That's wild. And that was like kind of written, like that character was kind of written as like meant for like him and like that kind of persona. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So it's interesting... uh, Watching Die Hard, and because Die Hard is, especially like John McClane as a character, he is more of a, like an everyman kind of character instead of what we, what people were used to in the 80s as like these big meatheads like uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and like other um, actors such as that when it came to action movies. And he's like really one of the first ones to introduce like this different like physique for like action roles and like. I think because of that, it's led to um, people like Robert Downey Jr. and like Tom Holland to be considered action stars, even though like they probably would have never been considered action stars if not for movies like Die Hard. Yeah, because they moved away from just being like super buff and ripped to yeah. like, kind of like, hey, the scrawny guy can yeah. like, kind of nimble his way around. Yeah, exactly. Like we like movies like Speed with Keanu Reeves and like Will Smith and stuff. Where it's like you no longer have to be like this dude who's like on steroids and like bigger than like imagination, <laughs> like even portray, you know? Yeah. So before we get really into the movie, uh, I kind of want to go back on something you said earlier on our last podcast about how you had this discussion with a professor or a teacher about how if Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not. So I. I'm, I almost minored in psych. Uh-huh. And so I had the same teacher every year. Gotcha. And around Christmas time, well, like at the, at the end of the um, semester for fall, uh, at, he'd have bonus questions related to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it would be like, you know, like, when did this happen? Or what's the word for this and stuff? And one year he put, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Only one bonus point. Write a sentence while you think that. Basically, if you put anything down mm-hmm. that was an opinion, you got the point. Gotcha. So I was done, and I had a lot of time left on my hands. Mm-hmm. So I decided to write uh, two paragraphs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and he emails me uh-huh. going like, um, this is not compelling at all. <laughs> um you're the only one in the class that said it was a Christmas movie. Uh-huh. And, and basically, like, you're wrong. And really? I was like, I'm going to get back on this email, and I'm going to write you up, oh. and I'm going to fucking tear you down. <laughs> so what was your reasoning behind it being a Christmas movie? Um, in a very strange way, I think this movie definitely has a lot of, like, Christmas spirit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, I would say almost every single Christmas movie is about like family, mm-hmm. and this is about family. It is about family, yeah. Yeah, like he comes back for his kids and wife mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And usually, like you learn something at the end of like Christmas movies, and like John like learns like you know like, you know you don't know what you're missing until it's really gone. Yeah. Um. Also, I don't know why, but I think what's the cop's name? Uh, Al. Al is like Santa. Yeah. Yeah, he's like <laughs> the guy behind like the curtain. Mm-hmm. Now, like I think I had more of like a uh, like cohesive paragraph or whatever mm-hmm. I wrote or whatever. But I wish I could remember it because I was like writing, like like kind of like that uh, SpongeBob clip yeah. where he's like in one of these, yeah. and it was just like really like little shitty paragraph. I go done, <laughs> perfect. Oh, that's awesome. So, um, with Die Hard, the the premise of this movie is pretty simple. It's about this New York cop who visits. California to reconnect with his uh, estranged wife, only to be caught up in a terrorist situation, in which case E has to single-handedly take them down and save the day, basically, on Christmas. And by that plot alone, sure, it doesn't sound too Christmassy, but I think the ways that you get there, it's all about Christmas, and I don't think you could have it any other way without it really uh without like christmas being involved you know because the main reason he goes to california is because of this christmas party correct and i'm assuming also to visit his family for christmas yeah so like we have like his big reason to get there is because of christmas yeah um the reason that they chose tonight of all nights to go is because of christmas Christmas. Mm mm-hmm um, and just like, yeah, and I guess like that is kind of like one, like a cop out almost mm-hmm. you could say, but I don't know. It it's less of a backdrop and more of like overall just like constantly. It's like a plot device. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the ways like the way the plot continues is it can only be possible because of how it is Christmas, and that's why like the building is mostly empty. It's only like the people on this the thirtieth floor having this Christmas party. And that's also the reason uh, John McLean goes is because I don't know if he necessarily gets invited to the Christmas party as he says, but it is just like an excuse for him to like come and like, I guess, rekindle things because it it seems like he, he never actually confirmed with his wife that he was coming either. It was more like he just decided to go and like not really tell anyone. Yeah, because she even said like, oh, I was really hoping you actually came. Yeah. Like, damn. So the connection, like, the relationship between the wife and uh, Bruce Willis's character, so John McClane and Holly, how did you feel about that? Uh, did you think it was, like, it worked as a whole as, like, a romantic plot throughout the movie, or did you think it was kind of just there, just to be there? It, it felt like it definitely took a back seat. Okay. Uh, towards the end is when, like, obviously I picked back up and stuff. But I do like the kind of, like, hint that mm-hmm. she's going to get found out mm-hmm. as, like, his wife and stuff like that. So, like, I like that part of, like... But, like, we don't really cut to Holly very often. No, we cut back to her almost for, like, reaction shots. Uh, and I guess, you like, she's 
the way that we get to see how the hostages are mm-hmm. without like focusing on like every single hostage out there. Yeah, she is the the leader of the hostages. Yeah. So. Yeah, her her character is interesting because uh, when I first watched the movie, I didn't understand exactly what the whole deal was with like like their problems and stuff. I think I was just too young to really understand it. And then throughout the years, as like rewatching Die Hard almost every single year, uh, I start to like figure it out more. And it's just like it's not necessarily that they like hate each other or like uh, are falling apart, but it is more like I think Argyle really. Um, nails it when he's talking to John McClane in the limo. And he says that's like, oh, you thought that she was going to come out here and things were going to work out and she was going to come back to New York. And then now that it actually ended up working out, he has to go and, like, fix shit. And I'm like, I, I, I believe that that's exactly what happened. Yeah, 100%. Because <laughs> he even's like, oh, you're too smart for your own cargo. Uh, because he... It almost seems like he like they they had like an argument beforehand or something where he was like you can't just abandon us or like I can't just get up and leave like this is like my life New York's like where I live yeah because he is a New York City police officer police officer uh huh so like you know like depending on how far up he is mm-hmm. you know like you just don't leave your city you know? yeah. From all the movies where the cops are, like, the main characters. Mm-hmm. It's like, they live and die hard yeah. by their city, you know? Yeah, exactly. Unless they get burned by them, you know? That's a different story. So, like, just seeing, like, a cop kind of, like, deal with that a little bit. He's uh-huh. like, I bet he wants to leave. Yeah. But he doesn't want to leave his wife and kids. But, yeah. you know. I-, I always try to imagine myself in, like, those situations if I was, uh... If I was McLean, and I had this whole thing going on in, like, one place, but my wife takes up a job that moves her across the country, like, how would I handle that? Would I be upset, or would I be like, oh, yeah, let's go? Because it's like, at that point, you have to decide, like, it, it I know, like, in most uh, relationships, it's always supposed to be, like, 50-50 or whatever, but I feel like, as a person, you always think about, like, who is more important. Like, whose job is more important? Like, your wife's new job or your job that you've had for such a long time? And it's, like, it's a really bad way to thinking of it, thinking of things, but it's, like, it just happens naturally to most people, you know? Oh, God, yeah. Like, um, no, because, like, you spend so much time at work, Mm -hmm. and if you really like what you do and you're really passionate about it Uh and you'd have to leave it all behind, that is a tough thing to have to do. Yeah. So I get why he doesn't want to leave yet Mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe he will stick around you know Mm -hmm. now that he had this terrorist attack kind of thing and stuff so i don't know it's also like of its era right because it's like this like machismo thing that he has going on because even when they reconnect later at nakatomi plaza they have an argument about um her she changed her name back to her maiden name instead of keeping mclean she goes back to Gennaro. And he kind of throws it out there, just as, like, I think it was just, like, bugging him when he found out. Yeah. And And it was just, like, it was eating at him. Yeah, and then when they have the argument and she leaves to go give her speech, he, like, he's like, way to go, idiot. Like, he knew he shouldn't have said anything and it wasn't worth fighting over. But it's just, like, this thing that's, like, you just have to say it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
But, like, other than, like, that, like, I, I think the relationship it is a little bit on the back burner. Um, but the few parts that are, like, compelling enough, I, I think is, like, necessary for, like, the movies. I, I really like the part where, like, mostly the tension of, is she gonna get found out that she is his wife and whatnot? Yeah, because she puts the photo of him down. Mm-hmm. And just kind of, like, with her having a completely different last name, mm-hmm. saves her for a hot minute, shit like that. But, I don't know. I think they played it very nicely. Yeah. I, I like all those, like, little details that they um, throw out throughout the movie. That if you pay attention to, it's like, it all leads up to, like, the climax. So, it's like, she puts on the photo because of, what was it, um, the boss or something? Yeah. Or she's on the phone and she, like, puts it down. And then, she, and then, like, the, um... The whole name change is like that's what saves her. Also, it's just like a lot of things that like it's like oh that's really smart how they decided to like shoot this movie and like all these little details that they throw in. Yeah. Uh, when did this movie come out? Uh, this movie came out in eighty eight. Yeah. Um, for it coming out in eighty eight, I was surprised on the length of the movie. Yeah, it's like I two hours. Right. God, it was like two hours. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just because like. Working, like, night shift. My time is very short in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was like, damn, two hours. I was like, I did not expect that. Mm-hmm. I feel like movies got longer and longer, like, more, like, around, like, the 2000s period. Yeah, I can see that. Did Did you feel it as, like, a long movie this time around? I did. Mm. Um, I felt it right in the part where he goes through the elevator shaft, and he's out of the elevator shaft, and he's back in the elevator shaft, and he's yeah. crawling through the vents. I was like... How long is this part? Yeah. It's probably like five minutes, but it felt long. Yeah, you know, I, I've seen this movie so many times where I can admit that there are some thoughts to it. Uh, I Overall, I think it's, an, it's a pretty good paced movie, but I do think they shave off at least like 12 minutes or something. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see like a 15 minute area. Nothing yeah. crazy. No, nothing too crazy, but, it, like, all of the parts where they, even, that they do keep, it just adds to, like, the tension. It does. Um, of everything, and I guess it's, like, if you are watching this while you're tired or, like, <laughs> I'm not really expecting, like, a long movie, it could feel like it's dragging on a little bit longer than it has to. But, oh, I, I think it's, like, it, other than, like, shaving off a few minutes, but if they decide to just keep it as it is, I, I still think it works, in my opinion. I think so too. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think the ending, like the like the last like twenty five thirty mm-hmm. minutes, is probably the weirdest pace of the movie. The ending this time around was so abrupt. It's very abrupt. Yeah, and I forgot. Like I thought that there was gonna be another like whole fight thing going on where like he gets away and, and like he has MacGruber to himself. I didn't realize that he takes down two people at the same time, and that's the ending. Yeah, because uh, once he finds uh, Gruber, mm-hmm. and he plays off like an American uh-huh. accent and stuff like that, the moment he gets like found out about being like him, uh-huh. and, he, and he runs away again, I'm like, yeah. okay, this is it. Big chase, yeah. he's going to have big conclusion, and then it's just kind of like, he takes his wife hostage, and bam, two headshots, and he's done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what's interesting about that? Um, like, Gruber and McLean uh, meeting up for the first time in, like, face-to-face. I was... Fuck, where did I read this? I read this somewhere, 
or maybe I heard it where they were saying how the way McLean finds out that Gruber isn't part of the staff is when he offers him the cigarettes because those are German cigarettes and when earlier in the movie when McLean starts smoking them he has a visceral reaction because they're stronger than American cigarettes and he's like damn <laughs> like the, like these Germans don't mess around or something and when he hands it to um, Alec Rickman's character Gruber he has no reaction when he smokes them so then that's like he like a normal American would like would react so oh, okay because other than like that theory there's not really any other way where he would have any idea that that's Gruber yeah because he gives them a fate well like he like name drops someone on like the advisory board yeah he says I'm Bill Clay yeah so fits yeah it's one of those cool theories that's like it, it doesn't happen too often anymore where it almost reminds me of like the theory with a thing right where at the end of the movie and it's McCready and um the other character and they ha- they hand each other like the bottle of alcohol and it's actually supposed to be like gasoline or something it's like so the other guy doesn't have a reaction so you, you know he's the thing yeah it's but that's also not confirmed that's also just another theory yeah and I, I like it when movies have these like intricate theories where it's like yeah I, I, I believe it. it's like obviously it happens and we see like the result of this but it's like interesting to think about how these characters came up with those like conclusions yeah, because instead of saying, it's what the script needed, it's, mm. it's cool to think about, like, if they were real people, how did yeah. they do this? Yeah, so uh, let's talk about Gruber and his whole crew. Because I think it, they are one of the most compelling villains that I've seen in a long time. And just, like, the way everything is executed is almost flawless if it wasn't for McLean. But at the same time, doesn't make a lot of sense what their plan is. <laughs> so, yeah, they want to steal, like, a million, $640 million yeah. worth of these bonds. Yeah, these bearer bonds. <laughs> because, um, what is it? It's like a trading firm they work at. Or, I think so, yeah. So, like, Gruber, like, says he got burned by them or mm-hmm. something. So he's taking what he wants back, which mm-hmm. I think is, like, kind of funny. Yeah. That, like, okay, so... That's it? Like, that's all it is? You get burned? I'm like, all right, you gotta take all your money back. Um, but yeah, he's like the Grinch. He is. He is he's taking... stealing Christmas. Yes. Um, but he is incredibly smart. Like, his plan is, like, nearly, like, fallproof. Yeah. To the point where, literally, he knows what the FBI and the police are gonna do, and they're helping him. Yeah. This time around, I forgot about that, where they turn the power off, and how mm-hmm. that helps them get into the vault. I was like, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting about that is, I feel like Gruber also knew that people were going to die on this crew. Because, if you think about it, they all arrive on the back of a semi, right? And it's like 12 or 13 of them. And their getaway vehicle is supposed to be this ambulance. It's an ambulance. So there's no way that all 13 of them were going to fit in there. No. So I think he also, like, calculated that's like, yeah, there's going to be losses. And it reminds me of, like, in The Dark Knight, Joker's plan. Where he's like, 
No, I'm supposed to kill the bus driver, and he also calculates that his crew is going to mostly die off in order to come away with the most amount of money and get a clean getaway. Yeah, which is, like, interesting to think about, because, like, you bring a crew on Mm -hmm. to do a job, but you also think about, like, okay, who's going to die? Yeah. Um, The subtitles help pick up this time, so I thought they were all German, but there's actually an Italian in his group. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, he's picking up all the all the people. And then there's um there's also I think one of them's American. The uh, uh the the, com- the computer yeah, kid, Theo. Theo. Yeah, I think I think only like two or three of them are German. Yeah, and then uh he has uh, I'm assuming like Asian American. Yeah. With Uli. Uli. Uh, he has Marco Christoph. Mm-hmm. I think Marco's the Italian guy, who's like, "You ran at a table, McLean." Yeah, yeah. It, it is just like a hodgepodge of like people that he's like gathered around and like like respect him enough to like follow through with yeah. his like plan. And the plan is just like it's so bonkers, and. It's one of those things that's, like, it's crazy enough that it just might work. Yeah. Kind of plans where it's, like, and they're going to steal the money, and they're totally relying on the power to be shut off, because that's the only way to get in, right? Yeah. Because there's all these locks, and then there's an electromagnetic lock Mm -hmm. that the computer guy's like, I can't get that done. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, like, that's all you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got it. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, he's like, I know the FBI's playbook. They're going to shut the power off in three, two, one. Yeah, and I like how Theo's like, oh, man, you better, like, have a miracle. And it's like, Theo, it's Christmas. So it's like, oh, man, they're they're tying you back to the Christmas miracle. (laughs) Um, I... And, like, the one part that I thought, I, like, totally forgot about this mm-hmm. until watching it this time, was their plan with the hostages. Yes. How they're, like, uh, we're rounding up all the hostages on the roof. I want a helicopter and mm-hmm. take us all to the airport. Yeah. And here they're just going to leave them up atop, and they're going to blow the roof up. Yeah. Hopefully with um, a helicopter, just so, like, there's so much chaos that they just mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. I'm like, that's insane yeah so and that's why they have the ambulance there so they could just leave um hopefully undiscovered so uh one of like the i I wrote down some reasons that i found like mutually a lot of people agree on some of the reasons why die hard is considered a christmas movie and one of them is the basic narrative situation of die hard uh where it's a man returning it to family for christmas which we kind of touched on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one is kind of um, obvious, and I don't know if it was deliberate or if it was just a coincidence that his wife's name is Holly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? It's yeah. Like, okay. It, it's a small one that really mm-hmm. fits. I like it. I like it. Yeah, and one of the things that I hear a lot of people argue against is that Die Hard could take place during any holiday. Could take but place, it doesn't. But it does it exactly. It takes place during Christmas, which is a deliberate choice. Because, yeah, you could take place during Thanksgiving or Fourth of July or, like, even Halloween, I suppose. But, no, it is deliberately Christmas. Because with it being <laughs> Christmas Eve into Christmas, no one's around. No one's around. Mm-mm. No one. 
which makes it like easy for like a stealthy drive up into yeah. the garage and taking out the security guard because mm-hmm. there's only gonna be one yeah you know they knew this Christmas Eve had a big role to play in the movie and they um, talk about miracles all the time all about it's, it's like the time for Christmas miracles <laughs> one of the ones that I thought was funny was someone said uh Gruber is a classic bad capitalist villain. He's there to steal money just as an old man Potter does and it's a wonderful life. Also like a Scrooge moment. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. He's all about the money and uh, I guess I don't know what character uh, this McLean would be but he's just there to like stop him. Yeah. He's like when it's like I guess like he is like that like usually like in like the Christmas movies he's like that kid Mm-hmm. It's like you can't do this on Christmas. I'm not gonna let you. When I was like, literally, the movie ends with a Christmas song. But there's like Christmas songs like in the movie. Yeah. Like uh, they play that. Was it uh, Run DMCA song? Yeah, they do. And then at the Christmas party, they're playing Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And at the end, yeah. So you know, it takes up a nice little bit of the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, one of the the ways that I really enjoy McLean and how he is slowly taking down all the villains is we can see the progression of him just like just getting beaten and like bruised throughout the entire movie and just how that affects a man at the end of the movie is just like this man is gonna die <laughs> and you worry about him because <laughs> most times it's like your main protagonist is just like he'll he'll make it but in this one it's just like I don't know if he's going to make it or if he's going to sacrifice himself because he's dying essentially yeah um, I think when he gets shot at in the one part he gets like clipped in the back of the shoulder yeah. and just the way they play it off is like a lot of action movies don't do it but mm-hmm. they don't play the whole like ow that hurt for mm-hmm. very long no and he played ow that hurt till the end of the movie yeah and then he cuts his foot open on the glass uh, which is just another reason why Gruber's a really smart villain yeah because he's the one that's like shoot the glass because he sees he's barefoot and the reason why he's barefoot is that guy in the plane yeah it's like it's all tying back to like literally the beginning of the movie yeah, he was like, do you want to know how to survive air travel? When you get on the ground, take your socks and shoes off, and then, like, make fists with, with your, your toes yeah. on the carpet. And, and and we just cut to him doing it, and he's like, well, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it works. Jeez. It's so funny because this movie's funny. Yeah. Oh, it's super <laughs> funny. I was at work last night, and I was, like, quoting it to myself. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> If someone would tell me something, like, oh, god damn. Yeah, <laughs> um, I opened a trailer door and I was like, Gippy Kaye. Like, I was saying some of these out loud. Yeah. I was like, people put by think I'm weird. Yeah. Um, my favorite one that's like, one of the things that I, I'm not a big fan of, like, uh, Christmas sweaters as a whole, but I like the idea of them. And I've always wanted to get Christmas sweaters that revolve around, like, movies or things I enjoy. And I've always wanted a diehard Christmas sweater, but the only ones that are available are yippee ki motherfucker, or the one I've seen the most, which is, it's not very, uh, I would think, acceptable now, is, now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Like, imagine walking around the mall with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely nowadays. 
Yeah. Even then, I don't know how acceptable that would be as a Christmas letter. Well, um, I think we said it. Um, when he was on the plane, uh, someone had like a... No. Where would he have a cigarette? Was it on the plane? It was at the airport. It was in the airport. Yeah. And then he had his gun on him. Yeah, at the pl- on the plane. On the plane. So it was a very different time in 88. Yeah, it was. Do you know about the box art fiasco for Die Hard? The one with the towers? Yeah, how, how it looked like the Twin Towers. This one? Yeah. Um, I never heard too much about it. Yeah, there was a couple, there was like a YouTube video I watched about like uh, box arts that had a change and stuff like uh-huh. that. Because like, I guess like. There was like a bit more of like the tower on okay. the on the box art. So with that line going down with the shadows, it looks like the twin towers exploding. Oh, okay. So they kind of like went through and they added that slice in there and like shit. So I guess that makes sense. Oh, this did come out like well before. Yeah, but like then like after the fact, yeah, it would be re-released and stuff. There, like you got to change that. Retroactively like, go back. Just, like, the Little Mermaid penis thing. Oh, yeah. Everyone, like, freaked out over that. You know, it was fine when it first mm-hmm. came out, but, you know, people just have to stare at box arts for seven hours to find everything wrong with them. That's so funny, because I feel like Nakatomi Plaza is such a, like, it's, like, a big part of Die Hard, um, where I remember, I think it was at FYE a few years ago, and they had a box set for Die Hard, and it was in like the Nakatomi Plaza Tower. That's sick. Yeah, and I really wanted to get it, but I was like, it's just like, it's there's no reason to get it. It is so big and unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, those like gigantic box art, like um, not not even box art, but those giant like sets. Yeah, like yeah. God, I cannot think of that word. <laughs> um, they're so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm not even fr- I'm not even like a Friends fan. Yeah. But uh, a girl at work showed me it's the Friends couch. Yeah. But the uh, the DVDs slide in like the cushions, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's so cool. But like, it's big. Yeah. It's like it'll probably take up like your desk mat. It's probably like, bigger than your keyboard. Yeah, no. Where do you put that? Like, unless, like, you have a shrine to friends or, like, you're cool displaying that. That's one thing. Yeah, I I understand, like, the want for them because uh, I remember when the Planet of the Apes remakes came out, they had a bust of Caesar, and it was, like, I think his head opened up and, like, the movies were in there. That's cool. Yeah, and I was like, that was sick. But it's, like, it's, it's just one of those things where it's, like, it's unnecessary, but... The Nakatomi Plaza one was, I was like, I, I really want that. <laughs> just as, like, it just as, like, a decoration piece. Yeah. I think a lot of these, like, uh, like, these special boxes and sets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they need to get scaled down a little bit. Yeah. Um, just because, like, I don't know, like, yeah, everyone wants them to be a bit, a little bigger and have detail and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but, like, if you want to collect multiple of yeah. these... You're screwed. Oh, totally. Unless, unless you have, like, a nice big, like, shelf. Mm-hmm. But, you know. You know, um, the one thing about the Nakatomi uh, Tower is I was very surprised even this time again watching it at the uh, touch screen where they look up uh, the employees' names and stuff. Because I couldn't remember if it's, like, growing up, the touch screens were really readily available. No. But it, it almost seems seamless where it's, like, it looks like a real thing that could have existed at that time, 
but that this is like late 80s i'm like i don't even remember the 90s like there being a lot of like touchscreen devices yeah i can't remember the first time i dealt with like a touchscreen uh-huh. out in the wild but um i have i have like an ipad at work that like mm-hmm. people use like for like passwords and stuff like that and I have like experienced a lot of people don't even know how to use a touchscreen. They're like scared of them. So really? I can't. So I can't imagine them being first like rolled out into yeah. the public where they're huh. not like always on your phone and stuff like that. Yeah, that is. Yeah, that that's one of the things that stood out to me a lot. Um, I guess it is just like a really advanced company. I don't know exactly what they deal with other than like trading. But it, it just seems very sciencey. Yeah. Um, one of the characters that I want to talk about a lot is um, I think his name is like Eli's or Ellis. Oh, this fucking guy! <laughs> it's the worst part of the movie. Not like worst part because it, it's a good part. Yeah. It, it's the worst fucking character. Probably uh, top ten least favorite characters of all time. That that's so I I used to hate that character, but uh, over the years I've learn to love him or he's just like Hans Bubby I'm your yeah. white knight <laughs> yeah he dude he's so fucking funny yeah and like he's like that added layer of like anything can go mm-hmm. wrong but like oh my god I fucking hate him he is the um Uncle Eddie of this movie yeah if I was gonna tie Christmas movies yeah. into it like where it's like he's really funny but he's so fucking annoying he is annoying uh I like to believe that he's, if, this is like a big if, if Holly is cheating with someone, uh, I believe it was probably him, like maybe like a one night stand or something, because he's like always trying to be around her. Yeah. And even when John shows up, he seems like a little jealous, and he's like, oh, come on, show him the watch. (laughs) Which is like another tie-in later on. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he's like, he's like, it's a Rolex. Like, won't even let her get a word in, but he yeah. has to like be like, look how fucking cool we are. Yeah, it's, it almost like it seemed like he's the one that gave it to her. <laughs> just like, um, I don't know, he just seems very possessive. Yeah, he wanted to take charge of this situation. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not gonna sit around and, you know, let your husband get us all killed. Yeah, as he does like a line of coke. Yeah, <laughs> I like how he's like, oh, come on, we do, it's like, we're basically the same. Like, we make deals all day. Like, I use a pen, you use a machine gun. <laughs> he's one of those characters that, I I think he's a little over the top when he's acting. Um, but it, it fits so well with that exact character type. It does. And even, like, his untimely death... It, it, it's a little sad just because I think he genuinely thinks that he's going to save everyone. And he, he, yes, he does give away John McClane's personal, like, name and stuff. But he doesn't truly give away all the personal information. He still is, like, lying and saying that he they're friends. And, like, he's the one that brought him to the party and stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's... It's a tough sell for me. I hate mm-hmm. him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question. Who do you hate more, him or the news reporter? Ooh, news reporter. News reporter? Because news reporter is not truly involved in the situation. Mm-hmm. They're just exploiting the situation. Yeah. And then when they go to his house, well, mm-hmm. Holly's house, 
and they interview the kids and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, scum bag. Dude, the news reporter is almost just like, it, it's just interjected into the movie. Just, I feel like it, whoever made this was just like, it's a jab towards like journalists because it's, there's really no reason for him, that character to be in this movie other for us to hate him. Yeah, us to hate him and like to reveal who Holly is. Because uh, that's the whole reason why Gruber ends up kidnapping Holly. If it wasn't for that news reporter. Even with uh, uh, like Ellis telling Gruber about John McClane, that's his name. He still wouldn't have known that Holly was his wife. Yeah. If not for the news reporter and him seeing that on TV. Okay, so. I take it back. I'm going to combine the news reporter and Ellis together. <laughs> as the as, worst. As one of the worst characters in history. Okay, okay. Just their sliminess. They are very slimy. Never met a journalist that I, that I liked. Mm-hmm. Never met a journalist, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are so many interesting side characters in this movie, and I think that truly is what makes Die Hard such a good movie. Uh, the ones that make me laugh all the time are Special Agents Johnson & Johnson. No relation. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is Agent Johnson. No, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when, <laughs> I like when he's like, oh, when they're in the helicopter, it's like, oh, this reminds me of like Singal. Uh, Saigon. Saigon, no. slick. <laughs> I was in grade school, asshole. <laughs> oh, junior high. I was in junior Dude. high, asshole. Just like the the way they show up and take charge of the entire movie, and then. Completely fuck it up, but are so confident in their fuck up. <laughs> they they are so funny. And then when they talk about like cutting like the power and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I love how they have a terrorist attack going on yeah. essentially, and everyone's like, "But it's Christmas, you can't cut the power yeah. out." It's like, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like when they cut the power off, and it's exactly what Gruber wants, and they're walking away, and they're like. Yeah, we fucking did that. Like, let them sweat it out in there. It's dark. <laughs> <laughs> but like the but like they even said like all right, so the backup generator will come on. Yeah, making it so that there is gonna be light. They're yeah, like, yeah, but like, not that much. Yeah. <laughs> I I recently just had a blackout at work, uh-huh. and uh, it's actually insane how little light there is in certain areas. Mm-hmm. But offices fully lit up yeah i'm like okay yeah (laughs) i don't know what the point of it was but you know i guess it's just like the way gruber says it's like terrorist 101 that whenever there's a terrorist situation that you cut the power for some reason i wonder if that's true i don't know but it's like i feel like sure why not yeah it's like it's not gonna help them yeah, I guess so. I would just cut internet. Yeah. Turn off the Wi-Fi. Love to sweat that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can't play Candy Crush <laughs> while waiting for my uh, hostage negotiator. And the the other one that is similar to, like, the agents is, um, what is it, like, Deputy um, Dwayne? Dwayne T. Robinson? Mm-hmm. The way that he completely has no idea what's going on either. Oh, yeah. He's clueless. Yeah. Because everything he does is just immediately, like, countered. 
Yeah. I also hate that in, like, movies. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the higher-up of, like, a police department or, like, just law enforcement show up. And they're, like, bumbling fucking idiots. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Because I see it so many times. And I saw it one time in real life. Oh, really? Where I was like, I can't trust any of you fuckers. Yeah. The moment you step up one, like, leg on the stair, you're like, oh, I forget everything that happened. Yeah. He's one of those guys where it's like, um... He's just trying to blame McLean for everything. Yes. He's like, that like, man's death is on his hands. <laughs> yeah. I know, that was probably a sad part, is like, you know, Ellis was just trying to do something, uh-huh. like, brave and heroic, and I remember, like, when I was young, I didn't understand why he died. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just like, mm, yeah, I get he's annoying, but like, and then, like, looking at it more, I was like... Oh, I get it. You know, like, terrorists don't want him mm-hmm. fucking the situation up any more than it already is. I think it was just, like, Ellis promised something, and but he deliver. couldn't deliver it. So. And, uh, like, we saw with um, Takagi, uh, Gruber does not mess around. I I clearly remember something that happened in the movie that wasn't this time around. And I don't know if I just, like, filled in the blanks as a kid. But the scene where Gruber is interrogating Takagi, and he mentions how he has an Italian suit on, and he's like, ooh, I like that. I have two of them myself. I remember before he shoots Takagi, he tells him to take off the suit so it doesn't get ruined. But this time around watching it, it didn't happen, and I was very confused if I was confusing with a different movie or not. Yeah, because before he shoots him, he goes like, like, I don't want to ruin that nice suit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I just remember him, like, taking it off. But I guess not. And it's just, like, one of those, like, Mandela effects that I was just like, what happened? I, I remember him taking off the jacket. That'd be actually, like, like a funny moment. Yeah. To, like, for him to take it off. Not funny, but, like, it would be, like, right up his alley. Yeah. But as far as scenes go, I think that one is one of the most compelling scenes. Because that's literally what spirals John McClane into, like, this uh, heroic act. Because he's, like, really beating himself over it. He's like, I could have saved him. But, like, it's like, well, then you would have been Ted too, asshole. Yeah. I know when he has those, like, inner, like, monologue moments, I'm like, dude, these are great. Yeah. This is how I talk to myself. Yeah, because he just, like, beats himself up all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I really really like him in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um. Bruce Willis definitely went downhill a bit, yeah. but um, there are a couple standout things. Like I love him in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, if not this one, maybe Unbreakable or Sixth Sense. Yeah. Are like up there for his best roles, but this one's like honestly such a memorable one. Mm-hmm. Where like when I th- well like if you say Bruce Willis, like I hope most people say Die Hard. Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Bruce Willis is one of those guys that's um. As an actor, it's very sad what's happening to him now. Yeah, he has, like, um, dementia, right? It's, like, a form of dementia where, like, eventually he's just gonna forget how to breathe. <laughs> where it's just, like, uh... Oh. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because it's, like, um... The the way I, I was, like, explain it, it... It seems like it's something that he's known for a while. So that's why, in his later years, he's just started making a ton of movies. Not... Just, not because they were good, but just because he wanted to get as much money as possible to leave to his family. Because he knew he was going to, like, be gone soon. Uh-huh. And he wouldn't be able to act anymore because he wouldn't be able to remember his lines and, like, be able to talk. 
That's so sad. Yeah, I think it's like he would forget how to like talk eventually. Yeah, I did hear that the last movie he did mm-hmm. was a very grueling yeah. experience because there was like a lot of cuts mm-hmm. and uh, him asking lines constantly. To, yeah. To the point where I heard the movie almost didn't finish. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't know what movie, but it was some action movie. Yeah, it, it, it sucks because uh, Bruce Willis as like, I don't know, like him as a person, like if he's like all that good but i like to imagine he's a good person um he seems like a good guy he gives me like nicholas cage vibes yeah where it's like he's pretty he seems cool yeah and he's always been around like since i was a kid right he's always been in movies that i've enjoyed uh i think die hard is definitely his most prominent one yeah like the die hard series is definitely like his fast and furious oh my god yeah. <laughs> where it's even got re- i think in one of the movies he literally jumps a car into a helicopter. Yeah. Um, but he also has, like, pretty sweet roles uh, where he is just, like, a little bit more mellow and stuff. Uh, one of the roles I'm thinking about is in uh, Moonrise Kingdom. He It's a Wes Anderson movie. He plays, like, the deputy in it. And he's just, like, a very sweet guy. Oh. Yeah, so it's, like, it's interesting to see him in, like, non-action roles. Yeah. That's why I liked him in um, Unbreakable. Yeah, Unbreakable's fun. Because, like, he's not, like, an action hero. Yeah. But, like, he's, like, he's playing, like, a, like a dude that, like, he's like, do I have powers? <laughs> yeah, Unbreakable, it was such a good character for him. Um, except, it, but in Glass, they ruin it by how he's... Never lazy. seen Glass. No? I'm, uh, like, I heard it was bad. I don't want it ruined for me. Oh, oh okay. I won't tell you how, what happens to him in Glass. Good. Unless you want. <laughs> no. Maybe off the mic. <laughs> Alright. I think you should watch Glass just for like the hell of it. But Okay. <laughs> um but yeah, Bruce Willis is just like he's a he, he's a really cool dude and like definitely Die Hard is one of the movies where I've learned to love him. And this John McClane character is really like what I think of when I think of Bruce Willis is like this everyday guy who just like steps up. Yeah. Um, I really like this the way this movie handles having like the um like the side characters mm-hmm. um with Al. Al, yeah. How they don't meet. And that's actually no. like a big thing in this like movie is like Gruber and McLean don't meet for a long time. Yeah. Al and uh McLean don't meet till the very end of the movie. And they don't even talk to each other. They yeah. only recognize like as soon as they see each other they know. Yeah. Like, that's Al, and that's, that's McLean. And, um, uh, McLean and Holly get separated for the entire movie mm-hmm. after the beginning. And so, it's kind of interesting how, like, he's basically isolated. Yeah. And no one knows what he looks like mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, yeah. like, everyone is left in the dark. Even, like, the, um, fellow, like, partygoers don't really know who he is because... He just showed up, like, literally, like, 30 minutes before all this happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the only ones that probably know him is just Ellis, Takage. Yeah. And Holly. Yep. That's it, really. And I guess the pregnant woman that kind of walked in and went, um, Holly, time for your speech? Yeah. And just, like, walked into a fucking argument. And Argyle. Argyle, my guy. I forgot how, actually, small his role is. Yeah. I had a Mandela effect where I thought he did more. 
but I was just expanding that last part that he did, like, way bigger. Yeah. I was just, like, T-bones a dude and punches him. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> I saved the fucking day. That's the only one of the terrorist group that did die. Yeah. Because there's no way that punch killed that man. Yeah, right? Because, I guess, yeah, he he's, like, the only one that didn't die out of all of them. No, I think McLean also punched someone that didn't die. When he was going up to the roof. He didn't shoot anyone. He, like, just punched some dude. Okay. So there might be two. Unless that dude died in the explosion on the roof. Maybe. Probably the best kill in the movie is the first terrorist that he gets. The ho-ho-ho one? Yeah, where they fall down the stairs and stuff. Yeah. Because that was such a realistic moment. Yeah. Where it could have been him or, like, the other guy, you know, at any moment could have yeah. died. Um, also, for being 88, when people get shot, zoom right at the bullet holes, oh, uh, exploding their tendons. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. I The, the other one that I thought was pretty uh, a pretty sick death, I think his name was Carl, the one, the brother of the one who, he, the first kill. Or he, uh... Oh, is he the one with the chain? Yeah, where he, like, Bruce Willis, like, hangs him. Yeah. Only for him to come back later. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, what happened? Did he fake his death? They're like, the cops find him, and they're like, oh, you poor man, he's a blanket. Because when he jumps up, he, like, takes something off of him, right? Yeah, it's like a cover-up or something. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if it was, like, a blanket that, you know, like, they give to victims, or if it was, like, he was in a body bag. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's very, uh, very weird. Because then if he was a body bag, then how do you have his gun on him? Yeah, exactly. Or then, like, if they hand him a blanket, be like, sir, um, can you put your AK-47 down and take this towel? Exactly. It's one of those things where it's, like, the only reason he comes back is so Al could have one of the best, um, like, character progressions out of anyone. Where he goes from just being this desk jockey, uh, who is really on his way home. To being involved into, like, this, like, bullshit case. To end up saving the day. <laughs> because, yeah. uh... Gets a nice, gnarly little headshot in there. Yeah, and... With a revolver, nonetheless. And after just learning that, the reason he's not a beat cop anymore is because he killed a kid. Yeah, which was very, like... Not, like, dark, but very, like, wow. Alright. Yeah. That's... Ouch. It's trauma. It is. But, um... And I like that. I like that for Al. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he's like. Not that he killed a kid, but yeah, I, I, I like that he killed a terrorist. Yeah, I like that he like redeemed himself a little bit uh, by saving the day, and hopefully he gets promoted because yeah. Al deserves it. He's the only one that's there all the way through for John. For a cowboy. <sighs> for the cowboy. Um, yeah, out of all the deaths, I think definitely the first and the last probably the coolest i really do like the table death yeah where the guy is like next time you have the opportunity to kill someone pull the trigger and then john mcclay just fucking like, annihilates, annihilates him through the table he's like thanks for the advice asshole <laughs> um that scene i was thinking about it i was mm-hmm. like all right so bruce willis mm-hmm. in this movie how actiony is he mm-hmm. 
And I was thinking, I'm like, a lot of the stunts he like he does, like people other people could do. And yeah. I actually thought about it, and like, no, actually, th- where he's like crawling around and stuff like yeah. that, like that's way harder than it looks. Yeah. Especially like how fast he's going on his back and everything. Yeah. I was like, eh, all right, I'll give this one to him. A lot of the reasons he could do that is just because of how small he is. Yeah. And it's hard to imagine, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in this role. Because it's like, there's no way he could fit in the vet. No. <laughs> it would almost be a completely different movie where he's, like, just bulldozing through people. Yeah, no, he's not, like, uh, like being action. They runs away and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I do like that. Like, how he, like, flips between, like, you know, fight or flight. Yeah, the only times we see McLean fight someone is when he knows he could handle the situation. When it's just, like, one-on-one. But other than that, he does just become, like, stealth. Um, the Before, like, we wrap this, like, conversation up, I do want to talk about, like, the death of Gruber. And the, um... I don't remember what the guy's name is, but he's, like, the the main guy who takes over in the lobby. Uh, the security guy. Oh, yeah. He, like, has, like, a weird southern accent. Uh, that was, like, sick death and i think it's one of the coolest movie action scenes i've ever seen where he tapes the gun to his back and it's one of those things where it's like it i feel like it became a trope in some movies where people try to copy that exact same thing where it's like there's like a hidden weapon somewhere but john just does it so well yeah he does because he's he comes out limping it's like he is beaten and he's just kind of you don't know what his goal is but if you think about, like, what he did earlier and how he saw the tape, like, the Christmas packing tape and everything else, and, it's like, it all ties together into, like, him laughing, taking the gun out, shooting the bad guy, and then shooting Gruber at the same time, only to, like, have Gruber fall out the window, hold Holly, and then the Rolex <laughs> yeah. again tying in, and him just, like, taking out the Rolex and, like, having Hans die. Which, um... Fun fact about that one is when they were pulling off that stunt, I think they Alan Rickman really did fall off, like, I don't know, like a certain amount of feet. And they lied to him at when they were going to drop him. And so it was going to be like at the count of three, and they probably did it at like two or something to get that like scared reaction. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah. But it's like that fall is like so great. It, yeah, it, it's better than the one in RoboCop when he falls. <laughs> um, I like that this is accompanied by probably the darkest thing that a law enforcement person can say. He goes, really hope that's not a hostage. Yeah. Because at that moment, there's nothing they could do if that was mm-hmm. like a victim falling from yeah. a fucking skyscraper. But like, you think about it, you're like, damn, I can't believe he's said that. <laughs> This movie has a couple of jokes. I don't know if that was intended to be a joke, but there's a couple of uh, moments where uh, someone says something along those lines. Uh, where he's like, Al is talking to the deputy in charge, and he's saying how I was like, if like if, if McLean's really the bad guy, how do you explain the guy who fell on my car? He's like, I don't know, probably a miserable stockbroker. Yeah. <laughs> or um, when McLean's like. Oh, I didn't know the Japanese celebrated Christmas. And oh, it says, like, oh, Pearl Harbor did, uh, uh, did more for us than you know, or something like that. It's like, I was like, yeah, after Pearl Harbor didn't work, we decided to, like, sell tape decks to you guys. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, these jokes are, like, 
Definitely wouldn't fly today. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, is there any other parts you really wanted to hit up on Die Hard? I think that's all I really hit up on. Yeah, so let's take a break and then we'll come back to some trivia. We're back to some trivia. So, the fictional Nakatomi Plaza is the headquarters of 20th Century Studios. So the studio could use one of its own buildings and didn't have to hold back on stunts and action sequences. While Jeb Stewart was writing the screenplay, he did a tour of the building and immediately incorporated some of the locations and objects he found there into his script and set pieces, such as the cart that McLean and Carl end up riding during their fight. The company charged itself rent for the use of the then unfinished building. Some of the middle floors were occupied by legal and administrative departments, so the only empty floors were used for filming. Still, the filming of the scenes that involved gunfire had to be postponed until after hours because some of the employees from the active floors started to complain about the noise. <laughs> Could you imagine just being like, he's like typing up a document and you're gunshots, and I was like, it's just the movie upstairs. Yeah. Which is kind of funny that they were just like, we have a new studio. Let's just film there. Yeah, might as well, right? And it, Charge it's, itself rent. Yeah, and it's funny that they say that about the gunshots because I think Die Hard is one of the loudest movies that I've ever seen. And I forgot how loud this movie was because we watched it pretty late. And it's just like all that goes, gunshots, it's like, it's insane how loud it gets. I think it was so loud that um, Bruce Willis actually like suffered hearing damage. I can believe it. Yeah, because when they find the machine guns, you're like, bang. Yeah. It's like a never-ending, like, like, oh, God. Yeah, it's so loud. Uh, the costume department has 17 undershirts in various stages of degradation on hand for Bruce Willis. Which is kind of cool because, like, if you think about it, like, how the beginning of the movie, his tank top is white. Yeah, at the end, it's, like, a murky brown, yellow, Yeah, it's bloody. disgusting. Yeah. And then I think at the end, he just got rid of it. Yeah, he takes it right off. Yeah, because I would have got rid of it immediately when I started seeing it turn green. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, that's a completely different tank top at that point. <laughs> the scene where Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman meet up was unrehearsed to create a greater feeling of spontaneity between the two actors. Okay, I can kind of see that. I can see it, too. Um, Bruce Willis received a then-unheard-of $5 million fee, which was approved by Fox president, Rupert Murdoch. Damn, we have 5 mil for this? Mm-hmm. That's sick. Good for him. Yeah, which is crazy considering, like, now, it's like, that's almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense, because, like, he was, like, a, almost like a nobody at the time. Uh, the scene where McLean falls down a shaft was a mistake by the stuntman, who was supposed to grab the first vet, as it was originally was planned. He slipped and continued to fall, but the shot was used anyways. It was edited together with one where McLean grabs the next vent down as he falls. Damn, that fumble actually made that seem way better. Mm-hmm. I think so. It, it kind of shows that he's not really, like, he doesn't do this, like, all the time. This is, like, a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when John McLean runs through the glass shards in his bare feet after Hans has his men shoot out the glass... Uh, partitions on the computer room, Bruce Willis is wearing special rubber shoes designed to look like his own bare feet. One can see this if looking closely at his feet appear quite unnaturally large in some of these crucial barefoot scenes. Hmm. Which would 
that makes sense because I don't know if, if I was an actor if I would want to run around barefoot on a set. Yeah. Like maybe on like carpet, but yeah. like more on tile. And yeah. Stuff. You know, like in your own home is one mm-hmm. thing, but like running around like I don't know. Have you ever like walked around barefoot and like stepped in something sharp? Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago at a uh, New Year's party, uh-huh. uh, I stepped on a piece of glass and got stuck in my foot. Oh. And we're all drunk, so it was like hard to like. Yeah. Pull. It was very fine. Oh. So it didn't hurt that bad, but it was like I had to get it out and I couldn't. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can only imagine. And then when he's in the sink and he pulls it out, yeah. and I was like, ah! I remember as a kid, this happened to me on several occasions, but um, someone in my family like sewed. And they would always drop needles in the carpet. And I would always, I know, when I would walk around barefoot, there was so many times where I had, like, a needle stuck in my foot. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my It God. just gets, like, that, like, first layer of skin. Yeah. Just enough to, like, hurt. Yeah. I definitely had it where it got stuck in there. Like, it had to draw blood. <laughs> um, Alan Rickman nearly passed up the role of Hans Gruber, which ended up being his first film role. He only arrived in Hollywood two days earlier and was appalled by the idea of his first role being the villain in an action film. To a degree, Rickman was right to be concerned considering his performance as Hans Grimmer was so held that the actor had a struggle being typecast as a player of villains for much great of his career. So I don't know if you knew this, but I think Alan Rickman was 40 when he made his... Like, that was his first movie role. What? Yeah. That's wild. Mm Mm-hmm. And he kind of did just, like, stay, like, that similar type of character, where it's, like, maybe not necessarily a villain, but just, like, a grumpy character. Yeah. Can he's 40? Mm-hmm. Look good for 40. Yeah. Bruce Willis suffered permanent hearing loss while shooting, no pun intended, a scene in the Nakatomi conference room when McLean kills a terrorist who said, next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate, by firing his Beretta through the conference table and ingesting... After thanks for the advice, he suffered hearing severe damage to his left ear, as previously stated in a trivia fact. The stunt weapon specialist engineer blinks to be extra loud and produce extreme muzzle flashes for d- dramatic effect. The close quarters under the table and use of plexiglass to protect the actor from flying shell ca- casings and wood splinters further increased the sound effect in 2019. Willis said that in an interview, due to an accident in the first Die Hard, I suffered two-thirds partial hearing loss in my left ear and have a tendency to say, what? The actor has worn a hearing aid for years, unbeknownst to most fans. Oh, damn. So that plagued him since 88. Yeah. It's, it sucks hearing about stuff like that. Because I think the one, like another one was um, Brandon Fraser, like, suffered really bad back um, damage. Oh, yeah. the For the mummy, right? With the mummy. Yeah. And that, like, that really, like, made him suffer throughout his entire acting career. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, with, which movie was it? With, um, the newest Mission Impossible with Tom mm-hmm. Cruise. He mm-hmm. broke both his legs. Yeah. And it's, like, they get a lot of money for doing, like, their own stunt and, like, being, like, big names and mm-hmm. stuff. But, like, you know, like, in my job, I have... I haven't, you know, anything could happen sometimes. Yeah. But, like, you know, I don't go around doing X, Y, and Z, you mm-hmm. know, for, uh, under tables, shooting f- guns. So I do, you know, I want to hear, like, they're like, oh, you got 10 million for, yeah. like, 
acting, like bullshit. Like, oh, you know, when shit like this happens, like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it, one of the funniest ones I've heard is um, Tobey Maguire almost wasn't in Spider-Man 2 because he hurt his back in Seabiscuit. <laughs> Dang. And they even make a joke about it in Spider-Man 2 when he, like, falls and Toby's like, like, oh, my, my back. <laughs> and then they bring it up in the new one. Yeah. Like, I, I guess, stretch. It's like Sam Raimi is most basically calling him a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but, my back. <laughs> but that was Die Hard. Um, I guess let's do our final thoughts. Nick, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, Die Hard. Bruce Willis's top three roles if not number one mm-hmm. um i like this movie it's good uh i feel like for an action standpoint it's solid mm-hmm. uh characters are fun um even even ellis i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fucking scummy ass motherfucker is it thornberg is the which one this guy thornberg is uh, he i think the... so. yeah i think he's the newscaster yeah yeah fuck him too um <laughs> but yeah I, I really like this movie um, whenever I hear someone talk about Alan Rickman, mm-hmm. I also think of this movie. Oh, for sure. And I think it's a shame that some people don't. They mm-hmm. just they just think of him in Harry Potter. Oh, Snape. And, and it's like, yeah, that is a gigantic role. But like, I don't know. These one and done ones are mm-hmm. like, honestly, sometimes some of the best for people. Oh, for sure. I love him in this movie. Yeah. I think he just has like a great voice for this guy. Mm-hmm. It does everything. But um, yeah, I like this movie. It's definitely to the point now where I only watch this around the holiday season. Yeah, see. I don't watch this around 4th of July because it doesn't take place at any mm-hmm. other time of the year. It takes place on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, it might be a cop-out to say that's the biggest point, but it really is the biggest point. Yeah. <laughs> I will give Die Hard an A. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you, Nick. I think Die Hard, I would also give it an A. Um, it's one of those movies that I've seen so many times, I would say definitely over 20 times at this point, and I still don't get tired of it. And it mainly is because I do watch it uh, once a year during Christmas time, and it's like when people watch Miracle on 31st Street or they watch Elf every year and they don't get sick of it. It's the same reason. It's like... Die Hard for me it gives me those like nice Christmas feels, and it 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 hits all the notes that I want right. It and also because I grew up in California, so I don't relate to like those like snowy Christmases where it's like it's cold and like whatnot. It's like no, it's like when I think of Christmas, I think of like seventy degree weather in California, and it's like everything when he's like California man. It's like yeah, that's like what I know of, you know. Um, it's about family. It's about rekindling with the ones you love through, like, these tragic circumstances and knowing in the end that you guys will be together. And, like, really, what else is Christmas about? Yeah. You know? Other than, like, family and, like, the gift. (laughs) The gift of Christmas. Yeah, and he literally comes bearing gifts. (laughs) He has a giant teddy bear. Yeah. And, uh, he sends the dead body down. Yeah. It, it's definitely a Christmas movie for sure and I one of my favorite things about uh, talking about like Alan Rickman is I love that he himself never calls himself a terrorist and he actually thinks it's funny when other people call him terrorists because throughout the whole movie everyone's like how are they like they don't they haven't given us their demands yet and he's like 
we're not terrorists. Like, we just want money. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're thieves. And it's like, we're not just thieves. We're great thieves. Yeah. We're exquisite thieves. Yeah. Um, so, when you put on, like, a Christmas movie around the holiday season, you have family and friends mm-hmm. over. Uh, usually, like, you know, you make cookies mm-hmm. or, like, you're just kind of hanging out and stuff. Die Hard is probably one of the ones I would not put on mm-hmm. because I would just, like, just get lost watching it. Yeah. Because I'd be like, I'm just going to watch this. And then, like, on some of the slow parts, I would come back to, like, whatever mm-hmm. activity we're doing. Uh, because when we would decorate the tree at my mom's house, it would always be like, put a Christmas movie on. Mm-hmm. And it would be, like, one of the two. Yeah. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or Elf. Yeah. Which I could tune both those movies out. I like National Lampoon. Mm-hmm. But I could literally tune out both those movies. But, like, Die Hard because it's, like, an, like an, it is an action movie. Mm-hmm. It's like... I want to watch that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Die Hard's one of those ones that I would always try to put on during, um, whenever we had people over or, uh, do things like decorate the tree or whatever. And I discovered as I grew older that, like, Die Hard, I still think is a great to put on for, like, events and stuff. But what I've learned is the one thing that Die Hard does that makes it not really that family friendly is the boobies <laughs> we oh, see yeah. boobies three times in this movie oh my god <laughs> and that I, I i remember i think my mom pointed that out that she was just like this isn't really appropriate for kids not because of the death or like the like how loud the gunshots are but it's because of the boobies oh no <laughs> the, the awful titty but to be fair national lampoon's christmas vacation there is also some like horny stuff in that movie oh my god yeah <laughs> Isn't that the one with the mall? Uh, like, the mall chick? And, like, uh, the dad's, like, always imagining her, like, almost naked. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Um, also, the neighbors in Christmas Vacation are about to fuck multiple times yeah. and shit. Um, Elf even has a horny moment. Yeah. With, like, uh, they're, like, naked in the shower. Mm-hmm. And he's just outside the shower singing with her. Like, yeah. Christmas is a horny time. It is very horny. <laughs> but, like, you could just kind of, like... Put some frosting and yeah. snow on it. Like Christmas, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how you talked about how you and like your mom would want to put like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or Elf, the movies that most people think about Christmas. But what we are doing this month is we're gonna um, stray from the herd a little bit because we have Christmas movies that we love to watch. Not because they are your traditional Christmas movies that you have to watch every single year, like It's a Wonderful Life, but it's because movies that we like and that we think of as Christmas movies that give us those like like those awesome Christmassy vibes. And our next movie that we're going to hit up is a movie that I'm still baffled that people don't think is a Christmas movie because it is 100% a Christmas movie, and that is Home Alone. Home Alone, a Macaulay Culkin movie. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't wait to get into it next week because it's like, how is it not Christmas? Yeah, I would say that Home Alone is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. Oh, 100%. I think Home Alone is without a doubt Christmas, without a doubt a Christmas movie. And I am going to try to do some research and like look on the other side of like and see why people think it's not a Chris movie and hopefully come back with some like interesting discussion and like topic points about that. Yeah. Because I don't like when people just say, Well, just because it takes place on Christmas doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's 
a Christmas movie. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> because Child's Play takes place around Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I don't think Child's Play is a Christmas movie. No. Um, yeah, there's a lot of movies that take place during Christmas. I think uh, me and I were like Googling Christmas movies and Happy Feet came out. And I was like, Happy Feet's not a Christmas movie. There's snow. <laughs> yeah. So it must be a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what we're going to watch next week. If you like what you heard, please rate and view us really listen to your podcast. And until next time, guys, yippee ki motherfuckers. See you later. Peace out.